Good morning. Let's all stand and together we're going to lift up our voices as we sing. This is my father's world. This is my father's world. And to my listening ears, all nature rings and round me rings the music of the spheres. just sing about this is my father's world let's continue to lift up our voice as we sing about the mighty power of God I sing the mighty power of God Let's open up with our word of prayer. Father, we come before you, before you and we ask that you would stir our hearts and draw near to us as we lift you up and exalt you this day. We thank you for your many, many blessings to us. And I pray that you be with our church family, both here and those who can't be here with us, but are live streaming. I pray, Lord, that you would bless each, help us to become conformed to your image that we might honor you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Please be seated. Desperately search for release. 
like you to take your Bibles with me, if you would, turn to the book of Habakkuk in your Old Testament. That's one of your minor prophets. So if you look towards the back part of your Old Testament, you find a bunch of small little books called Minor Prophets. And Habakkuk sits right in the middle of that little cluster of small books. I'm going to go to Habakkuk chapter 3. I'm going to read to you verses 16 down through 19. And basically the theme of what I'm going for this morning comes out of Philippians chapter 4, 4, which says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Now I say that is the theme of what we're going for this morning because the actual text I'm taking, to, taking you to is about hardship. Everybody experiences hardship at different times in their lives. And sometimes that hardship can become kind of a, a mark on our calendar, can it? We remember that hardship. Might be the passing of somebody we love or an event in our life that is uh, a real scar on the calendar. The other day I was talking to Smokey and Suzanne and Smokey said to me, uh, we were chatting on the phone and he said to me, he said, today's an anniversary. I said, it's an anniversary. He says, yeah, it's the anniversary of when Suzanne fell in our church kitchen and she fell and she almost died. Uh, but through that tragedy, through that really shaking event, they found out that she had a cancerous growth that they were able to address, probably saved their life. Sandra Jo and I were sitting and chatting the other day and she said, Tim, you know, today is an anniversary. And I said, it's an anniversary. I come horrible at anniversaries. And I, I tried to think through my head. I, I know I didn't miss our wedding anniversary. I'm, I'm okay there. And she told me, she said, well, it's been nine years ago today that they did my open lung surgery and diagnosed me with my disease. And while that was a, an incredibly difficult time, here we are nine years later, they had only given her three years to either die or have to have a transplant. So it's incredible, three times the time they gave her and she's still bombing around. So when you look at tragedy in our lives and sometimes tragedy of such scale that we mark our calendar in our minds and we remember it, my goal is to help you to see this morning that even in the midst of tragedy, we can still rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice, just as Philippians chapter 4, 4 challenges us. When we come to the book of Habakkuk, what you find here is the prophet talking about all that has happened in the nation of Israel. The tragedy of all the invading armies, all that has transpired. How that God has stepped in and intervened. But in all of that, their land, their society, their culture has experienced hardship. I'm going to read to you verses 16 down through 19. And I want you to think to yourself at those moments of hardship in your life. If you can't hear yourself saying the same things that Habakkuk is talking about here. 
So Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 16 down, it says, When I heard, my belly trembled. My lips quivered at the voice. Rottenness entered into my bones, and I trembled in myself. That I might rest in the day of trouble, when he cometh, upon, cometh up unto the people. He will invade them with his troops. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord is my strength, and he will make my feet like hinds feet, and he will make me to walk upon mine high places to the chief singer on my stringed instruments. So as Habakkuk talks, he talks and writes as God inspires him. As he reflects on hardship, difficulty, tragedy that has come into his life, into his neighbors, into his culture, into his society. It hits him hard. And certainly there are oftentimes things that hit us hard. They mark our lives. And that's exactly what he describes in verse 16. He gives a description that almost every one of us in this room, I'm sure, can understand. Certainly, I remember when, you know, my dad came to live with us before he passed away. And uh, I had sat all evening with him in his room the, as he was passing that night. And I went up and I went to bed. And, and later on, my sister came and knocked on the door. And she said, Tim, dad has passed. I went downstairs and just sat with him until the coroner came. But I remember that event so clearly in my mind, just as Habakkuk here remembers. He said, when I heard, my belly trembled. And you and I in our lives, whatever difficulty, whatever hardship we may face, when we face it, we know that sometimes it's, it's a guttural response, isn't it? And that's what Habakkuk is saying here. He's saying, when I heard what was happening, when I heard of the trouble, the, the trauma that was coming to my people, he says, he said, my insides trembled. And then he says, my lips quivered. And certainly as a pastor, there's been many a time that I've gone, sat, and held hands with people at the hospital as their family member passed. Or I've gotten that call and I've gone to the emergency room and been there with people. And I've seen as their voices quivered during times of hardship and trouble. Habakkuk, Habakkuk is talking about that which is real. It's real in your life and in my life. He said his belly trembled, his insides, his lips quivered. He says rottenness entered into his bones. He felt that weakness, that heaviness, that trauma in himself. He said, I trembled in myself. You and I in our lives, 
whether we're young or old, absolutely there are things that happen. Devastating things, hard things. And they do, they, they reach us and touch us in our core. But our God is still there. He's not abandoned us, he's not forsaken us, he's not forgotten us. We can't change our walk with God, our praise of God, our relationship with God because of whatever circumstance comes into our lives. In fact, Habakkuk is going to talk about the consequences of this hardship that comes into their lives because it's more than just personal for Habakkuk. He says, this is, this is national. This is, this is something that's affecting everybody. Look at what he goes on to say as he moves into verse 17. He wants us to understand how extensive this hardship is. He says, although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vine, the labor of the olive shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat, the flock shall be cut off from the fold. And there shall be no herd in the stalls. Some of us are fairly removed from an agricultural society. Some of you are still very, very, very connected to an agricultural culture. This is about agriculture. But it's more than agriculture. Because you and I, whether we deal with animals or plant gardens... Every one of us eats. Is there anybody here who's never eaten? <laughs> Usually Harmon will raise his hand or something. <laughs> Not today. All right, okay. But you know, every single one of us is connected to the food chain. And here he's talking to us about the food chain in their culture, in their society. They've had marauding armies come in and affect their land. They've had God push those armies out. But what happens when that kind of hardship comes to a culture and a society? He's describing it. He says, the fig tree shall not blossom. And if, you're, if you deal with anything, maybe you have an apple tree in your backyard, you know that if there is no blossom, there'll be no fruit. That's exactly what he goes on to say. He says, although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vine. Now, we don't eat the blossom, but we do eat the fruit. And if there is no fruit, there is no food. But that link goes even farther. Look at what he goes on to say. He says, the fig, the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. And he says, and the labor of the olives shall fail. So here he's taking it another step farther. We understand the blossom and the fruit, but sometimes we forget the connection down the line. So when he's talking to us and when he's talking about hardship and difficulty and how traumatic this is to their culture, their society, and them individual, he, he goes right into their kitchen. And he says to them, you, you do understand that when there's no fruit, 
When there's no olive, there's no olive oil. And for us, we're pretty removed from that. But for, for them, this was, this was incredible. The idea that there would be no olive oil because that's what they used to cook with. That's what they used to light their houses with. That's what they used for making many of their ointments and medicines. Olive oil was central to their society, their culture, their health, everything. And he says, the labor of the olive shall fail. There'll be no olive oil. No blossoms, no fruit, no oil. And then he takes it even farther. He says, in the fields, the fields shall yield no meat. Now, he's not talking about meat like beef and, and, uh, and, and lamb. He's talking about the meat of the grain. He's saying, when, when this devastation came to Israel, when this hardship came to them, it went to the very core, the very foundation of their lives. He says, there's going to be no fruit. There'll be no oil for cooking and lighting and anointing. He says, in fact, there'll be no grain. The meat of the field shall fail. And because of that, the flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. So I want you to understand that what Habakkuk is talking about is a devastation that will touch every man, woman, and child in his culture and his society. Every single one of them is going to face hardship. It's bigger than losing your dad. It's bigger than having an accident or, or having a health failure. This is something that is going to affect every single neighbor, every friend, every family member, from an infant to a senior citizen. So he wants them to understand that this is extensive. Not only is it immediate, it's lasting. Because if you have no blossoms and no fruit, then you have no seed inside that fruit to plant for another harvest. If the olive does not produce the oil to cook and to light your home, then it affects even the way you care for your family. If the meat of the field, which is the, the grain upon the stalk, if there's no grain upon the stalk, then there is no seed to plant for next year. So he's, he's drawing a picture for you and I of devastation, of something so much bigger than an individual. <coughs> Yet, I love as we move to verse 18, because sometimes we become so affected that we allow ourselves to be transformed by hardship. <clears throat> but look at what Habakkuk says as he moves to verse 18. He says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. See, for him, this is an attitude adjustment. It's a reality check. He says to himself, all that may transpire in my life, 
whether it be individual or community or national. He says, I will never stop rejoicing in the Lord. I will never stop taking that time to lift up and glorify God. To remember the salvation that he has given me. You and I, we look in the world we live in today, even as, even as David referenced the young 15-year-old girl from Ukraine. For her, what's happening over there is far more real to her than it is to us. That's where her family is. For you and I, we watch the news, and when we shut it off, we go our way. For her, that must just be a huge weight upon a 15-year-old. I can't even imagine being 15 years old and separated from continents away as my country went into war. But you know what that little 15-year-old girl needs the most? A faith that is deeper than nationalism. A faith that is deeper than even family. A faith that enables her to reach out and connect with a God who is eternal and all-powerful. That he might comfort and strengthen and guide even through the greatest hardship. And that's what Habakkuk wants to bring us to. That's what verse 18 and 19 is all about. He's described the emotional physical impact of hardship. He's described how immense the problem is. But then he brings it right to the soul. And he says, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Just like Philippians 4.4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Old Testament or New Testament, people do go through hardship. Some hardship is just incredibly difficult. But we must never forget that our God is able to walk through the very valley of the shadow of death with us. We must continue to rejoice in Him. We must continue to lift up and glorify Him. Even as Habakkuk says, in our salvation. Verse 19, he, he comes down and he brings it home for us. He says, the Lord God is my strength. Sandra Joe, when she went and had the open lung surgery and, and they went ahead and took out biopsies and diagnosed her disease, for sure, it was devastating for both of us to hear those things. And we had to put together plans in our minds and do so many things to, be, to prepare. But you know what? God gave us strength. He enabled us as we went down and met with the Brigham and Women's Hospital and talked about transplant and all those things that she had to go through, barrages of tests and all of that. God gave us strength, gave her strength that we could never imagine. When Suzanne fell in the kitchen down here and rescue squad came and then Smokey and I went up to the hospital as they brought Suzanne up there and we sat in that emergency room. God gave strength. 
sat there all through the evening, all through the night. God gave strength. And Habakkuk wants us to remember, God wants us to remember that he allows us to draw from his enabling, no matter what it is that we face in life. I want you to go with me, if you would, over to 2 Corinthians in your New Testament. I want you to look with me at chapter 3, verse 5. And I'm going to take you to several verses to help you to understand how that God does strengthen us. And how we must rest in Him. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 5. It says, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to think anything as ourselves... But our sufficiency is in God. So it's not that we look at ourselves and say, well, I'll pull myself up by my bootstraps. It's not that we face hardship and say, I'm just going to gut it out. I'm going to make it. I can do it. That's the mentality of the world. But God says, it's not in our sufficiency. Our sufficiency is in him. As we go through whatever it may be that we go through, we reach out to him and he gives us supernatural enabling. If we will but just allow him to. Look with me at 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. You see, the Lord doesn't want us to give up. He doesn't want us to quit. He doesn't want us to, to dry up. Habakkuk said, as I looked at this national disaster, I had to continue to praise God. I had to remember he is the God of my salvation. I had to let him, through his sufficiency, strengthen me and enable me. Look with me, if you would, at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. It says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I told you I'm bad at anniversaries, dates, remembering things. And part of that is by choice. I don't want to mark my calendar in my mind or on paper of all the tragedies of life. I just, it's not who I want to be. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I had no concept of God until I was in my teens. And there were a lot of bad things that happened. There were a lot of bad things that happened then, and there's a lot of bad things that happened through life. And I have a tendency to want to leave them where they lie. Why? Because I want to press on. I want God to give me the sufficiency, the enabling, the strength to face tomorrow. Because I know there's going to be yet other struggles. There will be other battles to fight. I don't want to keep refighting the old battles. 
You know, the New Testament tells us to forget the past and press on. And for me, I take that very personally in my life. I want to press on. Every person has to deal with their own things as they see fit. But I want to see God strengthen me and enable me, even as he did with Habakkuk. Listen to what Habakkuk says in verse 19 again. The Lord God is my strength. And he will make my feet like hinds feet. And he will make me to walk upon mine high places. To the chief singer on my stringed instruments is what he says. He's saying, I'm going to sing of this. As I play it, as I sing it, as I worship, he says, I am going to look for God to help me to rejoice. That's what he means when he says, God will make my feet like hinds feet and will make me to walk upon high places. He's referencing those, those deer-like, sheep-like, or, or, or nimble goat-like creatures who bound along the rocky edge. He says, that's how God's going to make me. He says, that's how God is going to help me. In my perspective of God and my perspective of life, he says, God's going to give me hind feet that I might bound and jump and rejoice. Now, does that mean the danger is not there? Of course, the danger is there. If you've ever seen a National Geographic video of those goats bounding along the cliff's edge and you think to yourself, are you kidding me? Life is full of peril. But we can't stop. Those, those goats, those, those nimble-footed creatures, they can't look at the mountain and say, oh, it's too high. It's too scary. Because if they stay down below, they will be eaten. So they go where they're the safest, even though it's so dangerous. And you and I in life, you know, every day you get up and you face the dangers of life. <clears throat> there could be hardship or peril around any corner. But we get up and we go. Amen? We can't stop. Habakkuk could not stop. They couldn't just roll over and die. God gave them the strength to face each new day and to press on. And in your life and in mine, if we will but just put our faith, our trust, our confidence in the Lord, then as we face those hardships, we face them with him. Does it mean there are no consequences? Of course there's consequences. They're still going to deal with all the reality of the fig tree not blossoming, the, there being no fruit upon the vine, the olive not being there to give forth its oil. There's still going to be fields without grain and the folds and the flocks are still going to fail. All of those things are reality. But he is still going to praise God. That's what we have to do. Whatever comes. We live in an odd time. 
We live in a time when people just drum the drum of fear. Just drum and drum the drum of fear. I was driving into church this morning and I turned on the news. And they're drumming the drum of fear. And I think to myself, if I wasn't a person who knew and loved God, I'd be terrified. But I know that my God is going to get me and you through. Amen. He is going to get us through. Even if there is no blossom, even if there is no fruit, even if there is no meat in the field, even if the herbs dry up, do you know God will walk through with us? Even if it is unto the very pearly gates, he's not going to leave us nor forsake us. Amen. He is going to walk through with us. So as we listen to Habakkuk, as we read what God inspired him to put forth, we ourselves step back and say, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. We rest in him because he is ever there for us. We're going to have a word of prayer and dismiss. John has last couple verses that he's going to lead you in after we pray. Father, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you do walk through the deepest, darkest valleys with us. But you also rejoice with us as we dance upon the hilltop. And I just pray that you would help us to be a people. And no matter what the drumbeat of the day is, no matter what it is that we face for, for trial, <clears throat> help us to be a people who rest in you, who draw our strength from you, who draw our peace from you. We thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. And we're dismissed.